Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. I hope you're home. I hope you're doing well. And I hope you know we're going to get through this together. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to another special hour of prime time. America hunkered down in ways like we've never experienced before in our lives. As the numbers of cases go up, they're going to use the word exponentially now. They're doubling every three or four days. Americans are being ordered to stay home. Why? Because we're afraid. No, because it's a show of force. It's the only way to starve this virus and reduce the cases as quickly as possible. Now, the president floated the idea of a drug that's been unproven as a possible treatment. And he got pushback uh, from one of the nation's top experts today. That would be a game changer. But we're going to know very soon. But but we have ordered millions of units. The information that you're referring to specifically is anecdotal. It was not done in a controlled clinical trial, so you really can't make any definitive statement about it. I think uh, I'm, without uh, seeing too much, I'm probably more of a fan of that than uh, maybe than anybody. But I'm a big fan. We'll see what happens. You are not a fan of a drug, okay? Either it has been shown to work or they're not sure. You can be hopeful without being misleading. If you're on a bed, on a ventilator, you want to know that something works, not that someone's a fan of it. If you have a loved one who is sick and you are desperate for information about something that may help them, being a fan of a drug is not what we need right now. And Tony Fauci should not be put in that position. But don't take it from me. Dr. Ashish Jha is director of the Harvard Global Health Institute. When we're talking about this, am I right to say hope is a beautiful thing? Optimism is empowering. But to say you are a fan of a drug that has a little bit of anecdotal evidence as opposed to being approved off-label and having some type of guess at a real protocol is a big difference, is it not, doctor? Uh, So good evening, Chris. And yes, absolutely. Look, optimism is great. As you said, hope is great. Um, But when it comes to medicine, you know, we rely on science. We, medicines either work or they don't work. And we have to study and learn and not just, you know, not just leave it at hope. So uh, Tony Fauci is completely right about this. We're hopeful that chloroquine might work, but we just don't have any scientific evidence right now. So it's it's we're not there. Now, let's talk to people in layman's terms about why this drug even makes sense. We've been told it's a virus. There is no medicine for it. So what are we talking about that once somebody gets into that pneumonia kind of phase that there are drugs that have been seen to help with that kind of condition? Is that what we're talking about? 
Yeah, so look, there are several drugs that we're hopeful are going to potentially work. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to use my words very carefully here because we don't know. Um, we have drugs that stop the replication of the virus, stop the virus from reproducing. Those are the ones that I'm probably most hopeful because they should work. Um, but again, we haven't tested them in people. Chloroquine, the one that uh, President Trump seems to be a big fan of, um, has been shown in test tubes to work. But there are a lot of things that work in test tubes but don't end up working in humans. That's what they mean when we they say drug in vitro. In when we hear them talking about yeah, in it vitro. worked in vitro, that means in the test tube as opposed to in yeah, the body. So you, exactly. So you mix a little drug in there with a little solution of the virus and it seems to work. Well, that's great, but things are very different in the human body. The human body is not a test tube, as, as all of your viewers know. Now, what about the idea that, well, the Chinese came up with medicines and the Italians came up with medicines. Why don't we just use what they used? Is that true? Look, the Chinese and the Italians haven't come up with any new medicines. They have been testing some things and they've been doing some studies and we'll know about those results. And then if any of them show to be working, we'll use them. Um, but what the Chinese and Italians did was exactly what we're doing right now in hospitals across America with COVID patients. We're just supporting them and helping them get through their severe illness. You know, the reason there's desperation on this is that the, the unknown, the uncertainty has translated into a feeling that this thing kills you if you get it. And it doesn't matter how often we say the numbers are about 2% and that 98% survive. It doesn't feel that way. How do we handle that? Yeah, so it makes sense, right? It's a new virus. Most of our viewers you know, probably hadn't even heard of it a month or two months ago. It does seem scary. And of course, the pictures coming out of China and coming out of Italy are people uh, are of people who do die from it. Um, the good news here is most people who get it will do okay. Some people will end up getting sick and having to go to the hospital, but they'll recover. And then a small percentage, probably around 1%, maybe 2 depending on who you are, uh, may end up dying from it. And of course, our goal is to figure out how do we reduce that even further. Um, but, but, and, I, and the virus does scare me. I mean, it's obviously, if it kills 1% or 2% of people, that's a bad thing. But remember, most people will recover from this disease um, without too much trouble. Now, something else that's particularly scary about this is that basically it's explained to people that it spreads like the common cold and it hits you like pneumonia. So that's a tough combination. Easy to spread. We all know like everybody gets a cold at some point during the year, just about, right? At least half of us. Yeah. Yeah. But now we're hearing that you and I are together. Or God forbid one of us has it. The other one gives you, you know, a nice bro hug. Hey, great to see you. And then two or three weeks later... I can get sick from this? One, that's logically inconsistent. If it spreads so fast, why does it take me so long to get sick? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Um, basically, what happens is, right, so let's say we give each other a hug, which we should not be doing if we were in the same not studio. Right now. We wouldn't do it. But I'm a hugger, but not, not right now. now. But I, I, I am too, Chris. I am too. So, But at some point, I, I, that'll be fine, but not right now. So, But let's say we did that, um, and I spread a little virus to you. It got into your body, got in through your nose, got in through your mouth, got in you know, through your eyes. It, it would take the virus a little time to replicate and grow. And so you'd feel fine walking around because you just had a tiny bit of virus. But that virus would grow and grow and grow and eventually would get big enough and would affect enough of your tissues that you would start having symptoms. That's why it takes a while. We think it typically takes about a week to 10 days uh, for those symptoms to really come on. And that's why the social, social isolation is so formidable, uh, because that lag time means that if you're staying away from other people and keeping social distancing during that time, 
you really starve off this virus's ability to do that slow replication uh, in others. Uh, The idea of um, what happens over time in a second wave, that is the new paranoia. How does a second wave work? If we're flattening the curve and treating the cases, what's the second wave about? Yeah, and this is something that a lot of people worry about. This happened at the 1918 pandemic flu. You know, look, it hit it hit America, it hit the world, millions of people died in the spring, and then it and it sort of faded in the summer and everybody relaxed and it was going to be okay, the flu was over. And then in the fall, it came back with a vengeance and it killed tens of millions of people around the world. Um, So people worry about that with COVID and think that might happen here. We don't know, right? New virus, we don't know. Um, But we worry that we're going to use social isolation, social distancing. We're going to starve the virus. It'll kind of fade. We'll get relaxed. Everybody will go back to normal in the summer. And then it's going to come back in the fall and it'll come back much worse and it's going to shut everything down. So we, I think there is a plan for that. I think we can avoid that. We can get ready for the fall. It's going to take work. I think we can avoid that second wave. But, but if we do nothing, there's a real risk. Look, we got we to gotta go on war footing. And I hate to use the war analogy, but that's what it is. So imagine that it really does fade out over the summer. Over the summer, we got to build tests. We got to make sure we have plenty of tests so when, when it comes back in the fall, we can test people. We got to get our hospitals ready. We got to make sure our doctors and nurses are ready and protected. Um, we've got to make sure we have enough hospital beds and ventilators. There is a ton of work ahead of us. Here's the bottom line, Chris. This virus is not going away anytime soon, not until we have a vaccine. And it's, life is not going to go back to normal tomorrow or next week or even next month. We, can, we don't have to be on lockdown for the whole time. We can make that better. But if we'd commit to working together, all of us as a country, we can defeat this thing. But not if we're fighting over what are we calling the virus and who started it and who. We got to focus now on moving forward and defeating this. This is our common enemy. So are we going to have to do this all over again? Well, it's up to us. If we sit around and don't use the time between now and the fall to really, really get ready, then yeah, we may have to do it all over again. It may be longer and more painful. It's up to us. Look, the reason we're in lockdown now is we wasted two months. Everybody knew this pandemic was coming. We knew for the last two months. We did nothing about it. We downplayed it. We're now suffering through the pain of that. If we, after this pain of social distancing, if we then go back to normal and act like nothing's going to happen, then we're going to suffer again. But I think we're going to be smarter the second time around. I think we're going to get ready and we're going to be much better prepared for round two. Dr. Jha, thank you so much for your perspective on this. I can't wait until the day comes that when I see you, I give you a big hug. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Now, we're trying to figure out how you target your concerns right now. You've got the elderly. You've got the low income. You know who we haven't been hearing about? Our veterans. Why would why would why veterans? Aren't they the best of us? Many of them, actually more than half, are over the age of 60. And the VA, you know, they've been a little controversial. In general, good care. But they didn't ask for a ramp up in help early on with this. But now, can they handle it? How are their resources? How are they doing? P.J. Rykoff, the archetypal angry American, just like the name of his podcast, is next with perspective on what we need to do to help our heroes. 
The VA provides health care services to more than 9 million veterans, but it also serves as the nation's backup health system. So you have a big question here. How ready is the VA if the outbreak grows worse? And specifically, will they be able to take care of our veterans, many of whom are over 60, making them particularly vulnerable to this virus? Perspective from Iraq war veteran and veterans advocate P.J. Rykoff, uh, the man behind the Angry American podcast. How are you, my brother? I'm good, Chris. I'm good, Chris. Excellent work, man. I want to start by just thanking you for your leadership. You've really been stepping up and answering the call. And I know folks across the country have been inspired by you and your brother. Well, when I got friends like you, uh, it helps you learn how to do the right thing. Uh, And you flagged this to me a couple of weeks ago uh, that the VA had been offered help. They didn't take it. And now they're worried about their resources and being able to take care of veterans. What is the situation? Well, the bottom line is that we are facing an unprecedented threat. We all know that. We've talked about this being war footing. Well, this is war footing. And we need to mobilize the entire country around this threat in a way we never have before. It's truly one team, one fight. And I just want folks to understand, maybe most of all, that the VA can be reinforcements. You mentioned it on the intro. The key part of their mission is to be the nation's entire backstop for the entire healthcare system. They can be a source of tremendous reinforcements in this time. They've got doctors, they've got facilities, they've got hundreds of billions of dollars in in funding, but they've got to be called upon to do it. And until recently, you weren't hearing from the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. You also weren't hearing from the Secretary of Defense. You were hearing from CVS and Walmart, but you weren't hearing from these two great agencies that can be helpful. But I think we've got to understand that right now, that entire agency that serves 9 million people has only tested about 1,100 veterans. So they haven't been ahead of the game. here. They haven't asked for enough resources. They haven't tested enough people. And it looks like right now we've tested more professional athletes than we have veterans. And that's a problem if we're going to stay ahead of this curve. What is uh, the inside scoop? Because you're still so connected to the community about why they haven't been called. Is it, it is the political optics of militarization of this in the play? You know, it comes down to leadership. I mean, across the board and everything we face right now, leadership, in my view, is going to be the determining factor. The president didn't mobilize the VA. He didn't mobilize the Department of Defense. Now he finally is. And they can add tremendous resources and be kind of a two prong attack here in serving Americans. You know, we say in my show all the time, look for the helpers. Well, the helpers can come in the form of our veterans and our military at an unprecedented level. They have scale and scope in terms of logistics and medical personnel that no other agencies have in the entire federal government and and rivals anywhere else in the world. So the president's got to ask the secretary of defense to step up. And then the secretary of defense has to be honest. And a couple of weeks ago, he he told Congress he has everything he needs. Then in the recent bill, he asked for $16 billion. Even now, he's saying, we've got everything we need. But then simultaneously, they issued an order today calling up reserve folks who've been retired, over 1,000 of them, to serve at the VA. So there's been mixed messages, but we want Secretary Wilkie to succeed. We want him to be a lead element here, and we want folks to help. But he's got to ask for that help. And one way he did today, he asked for retired medical personnel who've worked at the VA. So I'm going to echo this message for him. If you're one of those folks, you can step up now. You can help. You can be a part of this fight. Go support the VA. It's a patriotic thing to do. You can serve your country in a way you've probably never done before. So help me understand this, because you got governors all over the place worrying about capacity. Doctors saying they don't have enough PPE, uh, the protective wear, and they're going to get sick. And we're going to run out of those first responders. You would think that you would jump to the military almost immediately. 
So let's think a little bit about what we're missing. I accept your answer, uh, PJ, not just because you're twice my size, that it's a question of leadership. Um, but we have to be missing something that they haven't made that move yet because they keep getting asked about the Army Corps of Engineers. And my brother says that he has been in touch um, with the Army Corps of Engineers and that they're working it out. But there's so much more capability that hasn't been tapped. Why? That's the question for the president right now. That's what the press corps should be asking him every day. We should be getting daily briefings from the Pentagon, from the Secretary of Defense. We should also be getting daily briefings from the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. We haven't gotten that. They've been kind of a black hole of information here. But the Department of Defense should be fully mobilized to attack this threat. In the same way we were 17 years ago today to invade Iraq, we should be mobilized now domestically to provide all the resources we can. The military is great at logistics. It's not just about fighting. We can also move lots of people. We can feed lots of people. We have tremendous manpower. And the Department of Defense can be the lead element on everything from helicopters to building hospitals. That's going to start right now with your brother, for an example, with the National Guard being deployed in places like New Rochelle. The governors can deploy those National Guards, and they're doing that in over 22 states. If the president's smart, he will reinforce them with federal assets. And not just two Navy ships that are going to take a couple weeks to get to New York and San Francisco. We need a full mobilization of our military in any way they can help. I don't get it. We must be missing something. There must be a political optic at play. And I don't even mean it as a criticism. There must be something in their calculus because they're so desperate for resources. And I had one guy say to me, it's a national security issue that you have to make sure that the country is kept safe and that you don't have the military uh, working on hospitals in a way that makes us vulnerable. But that kind of assumes that, like, we think we're going to get attacked in the homeland during this time, like, because we're vulnerable. But everybody else is getting beat up by the virus, too, PJ. So it's not like anybody else is at full strength. Well, the military is now testing across the force, you know, worldwide. And I talked this week on my podcast to the lead spokesman uh, for our coalition forces in Iraq, and everybody in, in Iraq and Syria and around the globe is now finally getting trust tested. we got to keep those folks safe wherever they are. Um, but they have tremendous resources here at home that, that should be mobilized. There should be no political opposition. This is a question of leadership. And we've got to adapt, improvise, and overcome, as we say in the military. And nobody does that better than the Department of Defense. You've got millions of people who faced an asymmetric enemy for over, you know, two, almost two decades now. You've got people who know how to handle adversity. You, know, you have people who know how to follow uh, orders and, and get together and work together. It's a tremendous source of resources. And I think it can be a source of hope. You know, over a million of us have served overseas since the Iraq war started 17 years ago, and we're here at home. We can be a part of that lead force in helping, whether it's at the national level in, in leadership or it's in the community, helping your neighbors and friends. We want to be a part of that reinforcement that happens. And the president's got to lead that fight and he's got to ask for it. This is a time for a national call to action. So every day the president talks to America, he should also be telling us what we can do. That's the mistake we made after 9-11. We never enlisted the American people. We can do that now, and it's got to start with the president. And if he doesn't do it, we got to do it ourselves. P.J. Rykoff, thank you so much for much-needed perspective. Appreciate it, brother. Be well thank to you, you and the family. Stay healthy. Uh, the Angry American is his podcast. It's actually not an angry thing at all. He's just super concerned about things. He talks to players in all these different spaces. It's a great podcast. You should check it out. All right, if you are feeling overwhelmed, scared, lonely, stressed out. You know what that is? Normal. You know why? Because this is really scary, frightening, destabilizing stuff. And it doesn't just affect your body on the outside. 
It's about your mental health. You know, we've talked about this a lot on this show. We're going to live it now. You know, just because you're not sick with the virus doesn't mean you're not sick with worry. Emotional stress is every bit as taxing as physical stress. We've got to think about it. We've got somebody here who's an authority on wellness to help steer us through the tough times. Oh, yeah, you know that face. Deepak Chopra joins us next. Fear is a specific response to danger. Anxiety is what so many of us have now, which is fear of something uncertain. You don't know what it is that has you so scared, and that's what we're dealing with with the virus. There are ways to cope, though, and there are ways to get your mind right about this to help yourself with emotions. Emotional wellness, mental health is every bit as important as anything that can happen to your body. You know who knows? Dr. Deepak Chopra. What a gift to have you. It is good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. You're right. Emotions can compromise your immune system, but emotions can also enhance your immune system. There are three levels of uh, turbulence right now amongst our population. First is fear, and fear can be embraced. It should be embraced, in fact, and you feel the fear in your body. That's one way to embrace it. You disconnect the sensations in your body from the thoughts in your mind. But if you don't control fear, it leads to stress. Stress, chronic stress, is very dangerous because it compromises the immune system. It raises your blood pressure, adrenaline levels, cortisol, which weakens the immune system. And if stress is not managed, it leads to panic, which uh, leads to irrational behavior, a lot of which we are seeing right now. And then the perpetuate, uh, the cycle perpetuates. Mm. And we are compromising our immune systems with unprovoked, uh, or should I say, unmanaged stress. We can call that cycle the toilet paper cycle because that's that's what we saw people run out to do. But now here's the the response for you to deal with. Or we call it the chloroquine cycle as well. You know, a lot of people will rush now to look for chloroquine because, you know, because of what the president said, but we have to let the, the doctors use it because they're the ones who are going to need it Correct. and figure out who it's right for. Correct. So people will hear this. And based on what I'm getting so much every day, they'll say this. Deepak Chopra, love you. Love the books. Love the glasses. But there is a virus hunting me like a savage. And I don't know what to do. I'm going to get it. Everybody's getting it. Society's shutting down. This is totally real. It's not in my head. And there's nothing I can do. How do I not lose it? So here's two things. Follow everything that has been suggested. Social isolation, not isolation, social distancing, physical social distancing. Um, All the hygienic measures, washing hands, everything. That will mitigate the risk of both mortality and morbidity, which is right now around 1%. Now, having said that, it is also important to practice mental hygiene. Mental hygiene means that you have the ability to slow your mind down, to quieten your mind down. One of the ways you can, there are innumerable ways to do it, but one of the ways you can do it, even right now, as people who are watching us, if they inhale to the count of six, pause to the count of two, exhale to the count of four, they will slow down their breathing by about half, from 14 to 8. 
and you can watch your heart rate also go down at the same time. And when your heart rate goes down, your breathing slows down, your thoughts settle down, and what happens in your body uh, immediately, immediately is self-regulation, homeostasis, and a decrease in inflammation. What do we no do matter when how we're home, Deepak? Sorry? So, ho- so we're home. We're going to be home a lot. Um, yes, you don't have so- to be alone when you're isolated. But what are ideas for people to use this time in a way that isn't just them thinking about the worst? How can you use this time? Yeah, remember that emotions do not respect boundaries and even physical boundaries. Uh, the internet is spreading emotions like a contagion. We have a pandemic of anxiety, fear, stress. And what I'm doing every day is offering meditations on social media. I've created a website for people to help each other. It's called neveralone.love. There are many other things we are doing collectively to help people give each other attention, which means deep listening, affection, let them know that you care for them, appreciation, notice the good qualities and strengths they have, complement their strengths, and acceptance of the present situation. Having said that, employ every possible technique to quieten the mind, not positive thinking, which is can be fake. Uh, and a positive mind can be a turbulent mind, but a quiet mind is a healing mind. And that there are many ways to do that through mindful awareness of uh, observing your thoughts, your emotions, sensations in your body, the images in your consciousness, sensations, perceptions, images, feelings, thoughts are all entangled as bodily sensations. So feel your body. Silence your mind by focusing on your breath or repeating a mantra or saying a prayer. There's no substitute for quieting the mind and encouraging each other in these best practices for what can only be called mental hygiene. We need to practice mental hygiene right now as well as physical hygiene because the body-mind are not separate things. Whatever happens in the mind is reflected in the body. Whatever happens in the body is reflected in the mind. And whatever happens in our social media right now is also the collective mind and the collective brain. So, you know, we can start setting each other dopamine hits or serotonin hits or opiate hits or uh, whatever you call it through emoticons and by just telling each other we are there for them. And even for the elderly, we should be there for them through technology, and we can also provide help through technology, including financial help, food services, and many other services. And all this is being galvanized, not necessarily by the government or by industry, but by people across the board, all over the country. I'm engaged with them, and I know what's happening. There are a lot of people doing amazingly heroic things to help each other calm down, reassure each other, that this too shall pass. You know, we fight all the time on this show for people to recognize that mental health uh, and mental illness is every bit as real as physical illness and should be treated with that kind of respect instead of just crazy versus having cancer or diabetes. But no matter what you have uh, with mental health, it's always, you know, crazy and disparaged. This is a lesson. There are many people in this country right now who are learning that the mind and your emotions can mess with you every bit as much as any kind of virus. Deepak Chopra, of course, you know I am a big fan.
And I appreciate everything you have to say. And I hope people go to the website and check it out. Thank you. Thank Be you, well. Chris. Be well. Deepak Chopra. He's so calm. He must know something we don't. He must be trying to trick us. Makes me a little anxious. No, I'm kidding. That's exactly what you shouldn't do. Quiet the mind. Know that we're going to get through this. And here's another gift to you on a Friday night. The one and only Jewel is here. You know why? Because I'm a fan. No, because if you're stuck indoors, it doesn't mean that you have to mix, miss her next show. She is going to help those in need, and you can too. What a better way to spend our time. Finding a way to help others, and you get to hear from Jewel. What's better than that? Nothing. Next. The will to survive is acknowledging I am alive and I will keep driving on. All right, we've got to keep highlighting our nation's Americans. I talked about the Americans in the last hour, but this is really about so many of us. The ordinary people doing the extraordinary and the extraordinary people doing even more. You know why? Because we get through it together. That includes Grammy-nominated artist Jewel, who's putting on a digital concert tomorrow to help those stuck in quarantine and others in need of aid. I love it, but you know what? I'm not surprised. Not by Jewel. She's been doing this for a long time. Welcome to primetime. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. More importantly, thank you for why you're doing this, not just to help us and calm us during this and give us some enjoyment in a time uh, that we need that. But what motivates that? The idea that you have and you've worked on for so long that helps you in your own life when times were hard about what to tell yourself in your own mind, how to deal with mindfulness and the awareness of your situation. You put out a film about this with Deepak Chopra, who we just had on. Tell people where they should be in terms of how to see this situation and where we're headed. As everybody knows, this is an unprecedented time. We're being asked to evolve and evolve at a rapid pace, and that's painful. This is a painful, scary time. But we're more than up to the challenge. We're very capable of doing this. Um, Our children will remember the attitudes that we have in our homes much more than they're going to remember all of these details. And so maintaining what Deepak so beautifully called our mental hygiene is really critical. Um, looking at social distancing as social caring, and then looking at connection. You know, we've been a very connected society, but the quality of that connection hasn't always been amazing. This is an amazing opportunity for us to have a deeper and more connective experience and realize not every thought and feeling is a fact. To realize what we put in our mouth is important, but what we put in our ears and what we put in our eyes is also important. It affects our biochemical reactions tremendously and helps our immune systems. So people are saying, yeah, no, I, look, I, Jewel, I'd love to connect. I'm stuck in my house. They're telling me I can't go out. I can't go anywhere. And I'm using up all my available free time panicking. Uh, so how am I supposed to connect right now when I'm waiting to get a knock on the door and basically see the Grim Reaper, which is a virus, destroy my life? We have a choice every second with what we do with our thoughts and with our feelings. And we can either panic or we can decide what can we do that's productive. And it's a choice every person has to make. Um, In our Youth Foundation, Inspiring Children, we teach children to try and make those choices every day and every second. Um, And if they need to, they call friends. Uh, You know, there's only two states of being. There's dilated and contracted. So anxiety, fear, depression, anger, jealousy, greed all contract you. It's a whole biochemical response in your body. 
uh, joy, gratitude, thoughtfulness, curiosity, generosity are all dilating. And you can't be in two states at once. And so I realized when I was homeless and having panic attacks that if I was really contracted, I had to find a hack to get to dilated. So for me, that meant being grateful. And there's so much to be grateful for. We're not in World War II getting bombed with rations of one bread and one banana for an entire family. We are up against incredible, horrible things right now. But we are capable of handling this. And we are in control of our feelings and our thoughts. And that's something the virus can't take from us. It's something no one can. And so when you're in a really contracted state, a really simple hack is to think of what you're super grateful for. And there's a lot to be grateful for. We live in a country where there's still plenty of food, there's still plenty of toilet paper, and there's still plenty of people that are wanting to reach out. In my youth community, they started a Twitch, uh, it's called Inspire House on Twitch, where they study together. And so there's these big communities where when they get sad and they get depressed, they reach out and it's a virtual community, but they're there for each other when they cry. And they're finding that that's actually been a more profound connection than before they had this taken away. Inspire House on Twitch. Uh, and it's interesting yeah. that, you know, you know, this is uh, one of the things here that we have to digest. Uh, what's really scary about this is that the destiny is in your own hands. Most bad things are in somebody else's hands. Uh, will the military save us? Uh, will the politicians figure it out? Will the election go the right way? This is if you do what we're asking you to do, things will be much more manageable. So you have to put it on yourself, but you don't want to because it's inconvenient and scary. And you have to expect everybody else to. And you're not sure that they'll do it. So you don't know that you should do it. It's very hard. And yet we make all these crazy connections on social media and take all these silly things so seriously. And now he are, we are faced with something so serious and people are worried about connecting over it. So I'm hoping that changes. And you are helping do that with your concert. So how does it work? How do people watch? Yeah, I have a youth foundation. We've been going and working with at-risk youth for 18 years. Uh, we give them mindfulness tools, and uh, we're doing this concert. 90% of our kids' parents have already lost their jobs and been laid off. The economic crisis that's ensuing is very worrisome to me. Um, suicide tends to double during recessions, and you add isolation onto that. Um, there was 1.2 suicide attempts last year in America. So if we're saying that's doubling, that's a very frightening number. So right now I'm very concerned about people's mental health. I'm very concerned about getting them practical, doable steps. I built a website called jewelneverbroken.com that has easy three-minute exercises that have been proven to work through neuroplasticity to wire your brain. Anybody can go there. It's free. What's the and website? And I'm doing this concert to help raise money. Jewelneverbroken.com. JewelNeverBroken.com. Yes. When you say it two, three times, you'll, and you'll be doing, amazed how many more people go to it. And you're doing a concert. Tell us thank about Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, I'm doing a concert to raise funds for these children. We're trying to keep them in their homes and keep them fed. And these people that are being displaced and losing their jobs already. Um, so it's Saturday night tomorrow at 5 o'clock Pacific on my Instagram page that's at Jewel. Should I say it three times? At, at Jewel, Jewel, at Jewel, Did you at say Jewel, at Jewel on Instagram. I'm too contracted to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll also I, I am be the live human on my manifestation Facebook page. Of contraction, by the way. <laughs> if you want to know what completely contracted looks like, it's the guy with the makeup on in the box next to you. So if they go to at Jewel, they'll be able to watch the concert at 5 
Pacific time. Okay. Uh, and yes. they can also go to It'll the site. It'll also be streaming on Facebook. Great. So people know it's also on Facebook, which is Jewel JK. Um, it's a free concert. I'll be talking about mindfulness. I'm taking questions that people are most concerned about, and I'm singing. Uh, I have some new songs that I'll be debuting. Great. You are an incredible talent. I have followed your entire career from its inception. I was blown away about what you overcame uh, to become an artist and what you uh, channeled through your music and through your voice uh, that has meant so much to so many. And it is great to see you now giving back to so many. And I can't wait to hear from you again and let us know how we can help your cause. We're all going to be in this for a while and we're here to help. Jewel, God bless and be well. Thank you. All right. The benefit concert for Jewel is called Live from San Quarantine. It's very funny. As Jewel said, find it on her Instagram and Facebook page tomorrow at Jewel at Jewel JK on Facebook. The time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Okay? Jewel doing her part. She always has. She's not alone. Let's end the weekend on a positive note. It's actually a factual note. Americans, not everybody's like this. Not everybody's afraid. So many of you are saying, we got this. I'll show you how. Next. First, I feel every piece of your concern. I know you're living it because I am too. I got worries about my team. I'm drowning in information from all these different sources. I got to figure out what to tell you and how. I got worries about my own family, my mother, and my exposing her and my kids because of how much I'm working. Now, we're all trying to figure out what to do. And the fear is haunting. And yet my faith is constantly boosted by who we call Americans, people who are recognizing the same things that are stressing us out and doing something about it, like fashion designer Christian Siriano. So he tweets an offer today to my brother, the governor of New York. He says, I've got, uh, you know, people who can sew. Uh, we're ready to go. We'll make masks uh, using the full team. And the governor's office hears about it, takes him up on that. And look at this. Siriano posted this photo tonight of a prototype. He didn't wait to jump in. He saw an opportunity and he's helping where he's needed because he knows that he can. Thank you for being an American. More of our best. Did you hear about the distilleries? Switching to producing hand sanitizer. Their main ingredient? Alcohol, right? No brainer. So they're using their stock, adding inactive ingredients, churning out the recipe that will help save lives. That's what I'm talking about. That's who we are when things get tough. We can all be part of the solution. Little things, doing what we're asked to do, ordering restaurant takeout or delivery, tip generously, give blood. This is truly a roll up your sleeves moment. Together, as always, as one. That's all for us. D. Lemon's going to be back Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern with a special edition of CNN Tonight with the latest, of course, on the crisis. We have the news. We're here for you. Stay with CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.